Good evening, everybody. Let's stand up for a word of prayer. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we come before your holy presence in the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ this evening. Thank you, Holy Father, for receiving all the glory and all the honor that your dear children have humbled themselves and presented to you. We thank you that you have received them. Thank you, Father. And now I ask you, as you are present in our midst, open our hearts, open our ears, give us an understanding heart. Give us a listening ear. Give us a mind that will comprehend the things that the Spirit of God will speak to us and the things that the Spirit of God will speak to the last day's church. <coughs> Thank you, wonderful Father. Thank you, wonderful Lord Jesus. Thank you, wonderful dear Holy Spirit. You are the King of glory. To you belongs all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, forever and forever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated everybody. We had a wonderful and glorious worship service. Did you enjoy that? Thank you for bringing us into the glories and the holies of the Lord. This morning, I was praying and waiting on God. What word should I bring for you? I always try to be good. <laughs> try to bring a word of blessing. And uh, it's a pastor can be good. An apostle can be good. A teacher can be good. And evangelists are always super good. But not a prophet, you know. He's the only one who cannot be good. So if I'm not good, please, do you still love me? Yes. How much? Show me. How much? This much? This much? Really? All right. So this morning as I was waiting on God, the word of the Lord came unto me to ask you a question. And then, when the question was revealed, it unfolded a series of messages that lasted for a few minutes, but it also continued during the worship as I meditated on a song that our dear sister Heidi led us all to sing, to crown the Lord with many crowns. So as I began to meditate on the song, then I was translated before the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he revealed something about the United Kingdom, which I will share later. So the question is this. 
are you ready to meet the lord your god this is the question i was told to ask are you ready to meet the lord your god if this question is asked most christians will readily say yes i am would you no you are wonderful britons britons in 1992 i was invited to speak at a church in the us in the state of new mexico and in a city called albuquerque so this is a wonderful spirit filled church it has mixed community not just white americans but also other races in the church and during the worship it was such an anointed spirit filled worship i was lost in the worship and i thought to myself what a wonderful church this church must be such a spirit anointed they not only sang in english but they also sang in the spirit beautiful beautiful as i thought in my heart like this the lord jesus christ appeared before me and he said this was just before i was going to be introduced to speak so the lord told me when you go up to the pulpit before you share your message this is the question i want you to tell them or not question but a statement to tell them tell them this if i come right now to this church not a single one of them is ready to meet me i was shocked because this was a great spiritual church and the musicians the worshipers and the congregation were all one worshiping the lord and then for the lord to come and say not a single one of them is ready to meet me is a shock to me so i told them as soon as i said that there was a pin drop silence for the next one hour no one moved no one coughed no one cleared their throat and you know normally after there was dead silence like how it is right now so normally after every service you know people queue for prayer after that sunday service not a single one was found so after the service ended that was the last session of my 3 days uh, meeting in the church the pastor a wonderful woman from india she and her daughter passes the church so she invited me for lunch together with their church board so they took me to a nice mexican restaurant and the pastor had them all seated in different different tables and the pastor sat with me on a separate table and the menu card was a huge menu card if you hold up the menu card you will be hidden in it <laughs> that's how huge it was so the pastor held up the menu 
right before me and her and she went through the list. You know, this dish is like this, this dish is like that, and this dish is like that. And as I was looking at the menu card, the pastor leaned very close to me and she asked me a question. You know, can you hear me? Yes. You know, because she didn't want others to hear what she was asking me. You know, can, can you hear? <laughs> okay. You know, earlier on in the church, you said, if Jesus came right now, none of us are ready. What about me? <laughs> so I turned and looked at the pastor and I asked, uh, Madam, when I gave the word, where were you? She said, I was right before you. <laughs> so I said, and that includes you. This is no laughing matter, you know. If the Lord Jesus came right now, he said, none of them are ready to meet me. And that means none of them are ready to go with me to heaven. None. None are ready. These are not believers from India, believers from Buddhism, or believers from Islam. These are born, brought up Christians, American Christians, Hispanics, who all their life, they grew up in a church. All their life, they knew the Bible. All their life, they know everything about Christianity. And born again, baptized in the water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, tongue-talking, Christians, real Christians. And in all their free times, whatever available time, they do some ministry. They go around their community, they distribute tracts, and they do something for the Lord God. And yet, the Lord Jesus said, none of them, including the pastor, none of them are ready to meet me. So now the question the Lord asks you, are you ready to meet the Lord? Now the question is not related to if the Lord comes right now, are you ready to meet him? So the Lord explained to me what he really meant. I, please uh, don't mistake me for my bluntness because I was brought up in a British education. <laughs> British education are very blunt, right? straight. They don't care what you feel or what you think. You just speak straight. Am I right, everybody? So is it okay? Okay. Now, we like to think that we are young at heart, even though we are old. This is a common thing among, I found, among Westerners, especially in America. I do not know about the British people, 
if I get to know you a little better, I will come to a good conclusion, what you think. You know, when even though they are 70 years old or 80 years old, they don't say 80 years old, they say 80 years young, 90 years young. So I, I once asked them, so when will you be old? <laughs> if you're always young, when are you old? So this tells me one thing, no? we are living in a state of denial. We like to deny. If someone is fat, they never call them fat, they call them big. Do you call it like that here? Heavy, heavy, like an elephant, heavy. So I tell them, that's not heavy, that's fat. A fat is a fat. Why, why do you like to camouflage the word fat by saying heavy? That sounds more like an elephant. Isn't it? Yeah. Right? So it makes it worse, you know. At least fat is a nicer word. It doesn't make you... It doesn't give the impression that you are an elephant. But heavy. Ah. You see, all these, the words that we use, convey denial. You deny. So what it is in the natural also now becomes the spiritual. When you're not ready, you want to say, I am ready. When you're not perfect, you want to say, I'm perfect. When you're not okay, you want to say, I'm okay. Everything's okay here. When you're not right before God, you want to say, I am right. Because... Modern charismatic Christianity has taught us don't make negative confessions. To make negative confession is something else. But to make an honest analysis of, of ourselves is another issue. So how do you honestly see yourselves? Or how does the Lord look at you? So the question here is addressed to those who are older in age. So those who are older in age, I see, okay, let me, let, let's, let, let me ask an honest question. So you must honestly answer me, okay? No more young, really old. How many of you here are 50 years old and above? Okay, good. 60 and above? Good. 70 and above, good, 80 and above, only one, only one, but you look very young, you look like you are in 60s, not 80s, you are really 80? Huh? Pre-war, wow, wow, wow. So did you saw Hitler? <laughs> okay, we have 180, any 90? I think if I ask this question, only Queen Elizabeth will put up her hand. <laughs> She's 93, right? So, 
Now, this question is addressed to all those who are 60 and above. So, the Lord wants me to ask you this question. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Which means, if you die tonight, are you ready to meet the Lord? Why the Lord wanted you to know this? Because the scripture says in Matthew chapter 24, that in the last days, when the days of tribulation comes upon us, many will not be able to go through those times of difficulties. And for the elect's sake, the Lord Jesus said, the days will be shortened. Now what days? Because the Bible, God has apportioned times and seasons. The season for the devil to be let loose, the season for tribulation to take place, the season for this to take place, the season for to that to take place. Apportioned days and years are apportioned. For example, when Jeremiah prophesied that Israel will go into captivity under Nebuchadnezzar, in Jeremiah chapter 25, he prophesies exactly the number of years, 70 years. And it cannot be changed. The Jews tried to change it. And Jeremiah vociferously prophesied and said, it cannot be changed. It will certainly come to pass. 70 years. Not a day lesser. 70 years. And then the scripture says, in Revelation chapter 11, during the time of the ministry of the two witnesses, they will minister for three and a half years. Not a day more, not a day less, exactly three and a half years. And then the time for the Messiah, how long he is going to live, how long he is going to do his ministry, everything was perfectly written and spelled out. Even if you read, after the 1000 year reign, the scripture says the devil will be let loose for a season. How many seasons? Three and a half years. 42 months he will be let loose. So once again, all hell will break out after the perfect season of 1000 years. So time is there. So during the tribulation, those days of tribulation are not going to be lessened. So which days will be shortened? Our lives. Our lives. Your life will be shortened because God sees that you will not endure that season. You will not endure those persecution and you may fall away. So to save you from falling away, the Lord shortens the days, the days of your lives, shorten it. So instead of living for 90 years, he shortens your days to 70 years, or 60 years, or 50 years. You'll never know 
what will happen tomorrow? Can any one of you tell me what will happen tomorrow? The weatherman told us yesterday was supposed to be <laughs> not this weatherman, the real weatherman said that yesterday was supposed to be a great shiny day. But yesterday turned out to be a black day. But the weatherman seemed to be half right today. It wasn't sunny, at least not rainy. So who can tell what will happen tomorrow? Today you are good and perfect. Will you be like this tomorrow? You don't know, right? You can say. You may backslide. It can happen. You agree? Yeah. You, you cannot say how spiritual you will be tomorrow. You cannot say. Only God can see your end. If he sees your end, that you are going to go down to hell or you're going to sin, your latter end is going to be more terrible than how you are today. So what is the right thing to do? Save you right now. Pluck you away from this earth so that your soul will be preserved. You know, many people are being taken home like that. You may not have realized that. People who seem to die young. Why do they die young? When they have plenty more years to live, the days are shortened. Their days are shortened. So the question now asked to those of you who are 60 and above, are you ready to meet the Lord your God? When the king Hezekiah was sick unto death, the prophet Isaiah was sent to him and with the word saying, put your house in order because you are going to die. In Isaiah chapter 38 verse 1, put your house in order. Put all your things in order. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. Make out your will. Sort out all your properties. Make sure someone else knows all your hidden assets. If you die suddenly, what will happen to all those things? You don't want the government to take all that, right? You should, not, you should know your next of kin. What will happen? A dear friend of mine died suddenly. He didn't see it was coming. He thought he would live still very long. Now, after his death, his son is at a loss not knowing what things the father owns. The son is at a loss. His poor wife is at a loss. The bank accounts, the properties, the bonds, the shares, they have no clue what the father has done. Put your house in order. Analyze your life before meeting God. Analyze your life. The scripture says very clearly, if you read Matthew chapter 24, 
that the times of trouble that will come upon the face of the earth will be so great that history has never seen it before. Matthew chapter 24 verse 21. And it is called Jacob's trouble. Such a time was never before and never will be after. History has never seen it. If Hitler had killed 6 million Jews and that was a terrible thing to do. I tell you today what is going to happen in the days to come. A few years ago, the Lord showed me that the spirit of Hitler will rise up once more in these last days and the Jews will be heavily persecuted and they will be killed in large numbers and it will make the Hitler's Holocaust a small plaything. I staggered at what the Lord revealed. If six million Jews is going to be a plaything, can you imagine how many millions will be killed in the days to come? The world has not seen such a terrible time like Jacob's trouble. Never. So, most Christians are deluded into thinking the rapture will take place before all this. So, we are all safe. Honestly speaking, I grew up under Pentecostal tradition. Not, I mean, when I, I, I must qualify that statement. Grew up meaning grew up in the ministry. When I started my ministry, I was in the Pentecostal tradition that purely believes that the rapture will take place before the tribulation, before the mark of the beast, before even the Antichrist is born. I believe that, I grew up under the tradition and I preached that very strongly. Oh, let's get ready for the rapture, ready for the rapture. From the time I started my full-time ministry in 1984 till 2006, I preached that very strongly. In the first week of May 2006, I was invited to speak at a small denominational church like the Church of England in India. And I was waiting on the Lord one day. So Lord, what do you want me to speak at this conference? And the Lord came to me and said, speak on Matthew chapter 24 verse 8. So look at the scripture, it says, these are the beginnings of sorrows. Just one sentence that doesn't talk much about what are the beginnings of sorrows. So of course you can go into the Greek and the Hebrew and say, okay, beginnings of sorrows are like the birth pangs of a woman. Okay, birth pangs of a woman. How can a man understand a birth pangs of a woman? Right? It's easy for a woman to preach on that. The birth pangs that you go through, you can describe it in a very biological terms and then bring out some spiritual elements to it. Well, what about a man? So we can only speak theoretically. 
what they are. So I asked the Lord Jesus, Lord, I don't understand this scripture. What does it mean? And the Lord sat beside me and he went through all the last day scenario, especially chapter 24, Matthew 24, and Mark chapter 13, and Luke chapter 21. He went through the whole book and he explained to me about the last day's events that were going to take place and comparing them with the events that are prophesied in the book of Revelation. So there was a shocker statement the Lord Jesus made that shocked me. He said, the rapture will not be before the mark of the beast. It will be after the mark of the beast. So I looked up at the Lord. Now I am seeing the Lord like how you see me stand before you. So I knew it was the Lord. We have gone through all the theological tests, you know. You know, the Bible says, if you're in doubt, test the spirit. Do you do that? Right, we test the spirit. So we go through all the theological testing. Okay, proven. This is the real Lord Jesus. Now he's saying something that is contrary to the scriptures. The Lord Jesus, if it is the true Lord Jesus, should not contradict the scriptures, right? So I looked at the Lord, I said, Lord, what you are saying to me is totally different, contrary to what we have been preaching. The Lord Jesus looked at me and he said, all you guys are wrong. All your theology is wrong. Have you heard of this wonderful man of God called Bobby Connor in the US? Yes. Okay. Several years ago, Bobby Connor had a wonderful visitation from the Lord Jesus. And he saw the Lord Jesus face to face like how you see me standing before you. And uh, the Lord talked with him about some matters about the last days and his coming. And there was a huge stack, huge stack of papers, you know, huge stack on his study table. And the Lord looked at it and asked him, Bobby, what are all these? So Bobby Connor was very proud, like a proud child before the father. You know, you're proud that you have done something. He said, Lord, all these are the great research I have done about the end times and your coming. This was huge stack, you know. And the Lord took all the stacks, smashed them, and they became dust. He blew them. And he said, you guys know nothing. Isn't that a shocker? You guys know nothing. And over the course of many years, you know, the theme of my ministry is end times and the coming of the Lord. So that, that's the theme the Lord gave me when he called me to the ministry. He said, you must prepare my people for my coming. So during the course of uh, these last few years, I've read many books about the end times and the second coming. And the thing that saddened me the most is most respectful authors who wrote those books wrote them out of intellectual research. Intellectual research 
and digging into what the Hebrew says, what the Greek says, 99.9% is devoid of, but what does the Spirit of the Lord says? That element is not there, 99.9%. So if you are going to do a deep research like what Bobby Connor did with all the tons of books that are available in the world on the second coming, you will end up hearing what the Lord says, this is rubbish. Because you cannot discern the things of God by natural reasoning. A good thing is like what I shared with you yesterday about the Y2K. See, all the books that were written, forget about the humanist books, Christians, authors who wrote books, what did they base, I read a few, you know, what did they base the danger of Y2K upon? What scientists say, what the economists say, what the world says. None of them ever wrote anything saying, but this is what the Lord said. No one wrote that. Because if they had sought the Lord, they would have not written a book in the first place. They would not have written. And do you know, all the authors played on the fears of the general public and they made millions of dollars. And when Y2K passed by, no one except for one man no other Christian authors apologize for teaching something wrong. Only Rick Joyner. Only he had the humility to go on public and say we were wrong. The rest of them, no one ever said we were wrong. They already got your money, you know. So why say wrong? Because they may have to refund 30-day money-back guarantee, right? <laughs> so, put your life in order. If you die tonight, are you ready to meet the Lord your God? In Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 21, there was a rich man who had plenty. His barns were overflowing. He had a rich harvest. Everything was doing good for him. So after one particular harvest, he said to himself, Oh my, we have a bountiful harvest this year. Let me tear down my barns and make a bigger barn so that I can store all these grains that will last me for another generation. So he was so happy. He had a great meal that night, Indian food. heavenly food. If you really like to taste heaven, come to India. Or go to an Indian restaurant in Sheffield. So, after a great meal, he had a dream that night. And the Lord spoke to him and said, you fool. That's how the Lord called him. You fool. You're going to die tonight. What will happen to your wealth? What will happen to your wealth? Tonight you are going to die. So you were not ready. You save up for your retirement. 
But how do you know you're going to retire? What if you die tomorrow? Or die when you leave this church? Touch wood. No touching wood. This is plastic. <clears throat> I'm being practical, you know. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm not being practical. I'm saying to you the word of the Lord. Now again, let me reiterate this. Very specifically to those who are 60 and above in this church or who are gathered here. Put your life right. Which means retrospect into your life and see if there are defilement within you that will disqualify you from meeting the Lord or disqualify you from entering into heaven. Many think we are ready, but in reality we are not. Let me give you three examples. Number one, in 1990, one of our ministry's dear partner, their 25-year-old daughter was dying. Young girl, very, very pretty, beautiful looking young girl. And she has two little children. She was afflicted with tuberculosis and she was on the verge of dying. In India, they have very good medicines to deal with tuberculosis. So tuberculosis is not a life-threatening disease, but a curable disease at least in India. If you seek early treatment at the first evidence of tuberculosis, it can be cured. There are many people have been cured like that. And uh, last night I told you my secretary's husband died. But her mother-in-law was, she too contracted tuberculosis. And she was given early treatment, heavy doses of treatment. And within six months, she was tuberculosis free. So it's possible. However, many people, they don't seek early treatment. So the disease becomes, the disease matures. It matures until it becomes full-blown. Then there's nothing can be done. This particular young, girl, young lady, she had full-blown tuberculosis. So early treatment was not sought. Now she was put in the hospital. And the parents are our faithful partners. So they requested that their church pastor ask me to come and pray for their daughter. Normally I don't do that because that is a pastoral duty, not my duty. But this is a dear friend, but the pastor, no? So he just pleaded with me to go with him to pray. So I went. And when I saw this girl, she was just dark all over. You know, the people of Nepal, they are very, very fair. They're not dark like me. They're very fair, fair looking. And this girl was just dark all over and she was skin and bones lying in the hospital. When I saw her, I couldn't recognize her. And eventually after all these little small talks, 
we don't immediately get into the subject, you know. That's Asian. We go around the bush where, and we light up some fire. That's why we are in bushfire. <laughs> we go around the bush and have some tea, some biscuits, some cakes, and then we get to the real subject. Do you do that? No, you are blunt Britons, right? You go straight to the subject. Okay, no, we don't do that. We just go around, how's your family? How's your mother? How's the children? How's the children doing? We ask them, and then get the grandchildren. You don't forget the grandchildren. You know, this is very important in the Eastern culture. You must ask all this to show that you really care. After one hour of talking nonsense, <laughs> then you come to the last one minute of the real stuff. This is Asian. Wonderful Asians. Anyway, so after all the small talk, the pastor asked me to pray for the girl. So I prayed. As I was praying, the Lord Jesus appeared by my side and told me, don't pray for her healing, she will not live. I was shocked. I said, Lord, how can this be? She's 25. Your word says a person shall live 70 or 80 years. See, I went on pleading with the Lord for this girl's life. So how can she die, Lord? She's very young. And the Lord looked at me and gave me three reasons why she will die and why she will not live. And then he said, however, she is not ready to meet me. You prepare her to meet me. So after the Lord has given me three reasons, how can I argue with him? So I put away the parents and the pastor out of the room. I said, I want to talk with the daughter alone. So I pulled the chair close to her and I sat down and I looked at her. I said, my dear daughter. And I told her those three things. She cried and she cried and she cried. She affirmed that's what is inside her. And you know what she was praying to the Lord? Lord, I don't want to live, I want to die. She was praying, she herself repeatedly kept on praying those prayers. Lord, I want to die. Lord, I want to die. Take me home, take me home. But she has two little kids, real small kids, a son and a daughter. And both of them look like angels. And they are related to Amuda through marriage, you know, they are related. So after, then I spoke with her about how to prepare her soul to meet with the Lord. So after I've spoken to her in confidence, I said, okay, this is secret between you and me. Because the Lord told me to just speak to you in private. This will not be shared to your parents. So after I was done, I called, I invited the parents to come inside the room and I prayed a prayer of blessing. I couldn't pray a prayer of healing. The parents invited me to pray a prayer of healing for the daughter. I couldn't pray the prayer of healing because the Lord had already told me what's going to happen next. So I prayed a general prayer of blessing. The moment I said, Amen, instantly the shadow of death departed from her body. 
and a light begin to glow on a face and a glow on a body which the parents could physically see with their eyes a light begin to glow so they thought their daughter was healed by my prayer how can i tell them your daughter is going to go home only daughter only daughter among two sons and she is the father's pet daughters are always father's pet you know is it true in the british culture the same oh how nice and the sons are the mother's pets oh see the same at least we have something in common a week later she died and the parents told me the last one week of their daughter's life were the most glorious days of her life in all her 25 years the last 7 days and she died when i was out in the mountains ministering to the tibetan people i was at a, a very far away mountainous region at an altitude of 12000 feet and then when i returned back home i heard the news that this dear girl has died so i went to see her family to pay my condolences no before i went i prayed lord if i go to their house they will certainly ask me why their daughter died what am i going to tell them you must give me a word so that i can tell them so as i was praying the lord opened my spiritual eyes and i saw her that girl in paradise i saw her in paradise and what in a beautiful wonderful place she was living so with that word i went to see the parents and i described to their parents the dress the kind of dress she was wearing they were shocked when i described what she was wearing and they pulled out their album and they showed me a picture the daughter's favorite dress that was her favorite dress a, a beautiful white flowing dress that looks like a wedding gown with with floral design and all that and that's the very same dress that i saw her wearing in heaven and as a result of that the father and the oldest son in the family who was not born again got saved that day see you sow one seed and you reap a harvest so this girl was born in a christian family grew up in a christian family grew up in a church all her life got water baptized got holy spirit baptized and she was in the youth worship team yet the lord said she is not ready to meet me the second person i want to a second incident i want to narrate to you is a woman that i know very well this woman is was at that time in her 60s or nearly reaching 70 and all her life she has from the day she got born again 
she got fill in the holy spirit and she was a prayer warrior in her church she goes to a methodist church prayer warrior like a pillar you know every church has got grandmothers and mothers who pray do you have that here every church you know you'll have at least one at least one great head grandmother or mother who are the pillars in the church they are always there whenever the pastor calls for a prayer meeting rain shine thunderstorm earthquake snowstorm whatever have you read shakespeare's plays i love shakespeare's plays and my favorite is macbeth my favorite and you know what's the first line that opens up in macbeth three witches meet <laughs> and they ask to one another when shall we three meet again in thunder lightning or rain when the hurly burly is lost and won and when macbeth he goes on <laughs> so likewise when shall we meet again thunder lightning or rain so under all these atmospheric conditions those praying mothers will be in the church so this woman was like that and she grew up in rank so much so that she was the consultant to all the pastors who come to the church you know just like in the church of england and in methodist churches the pastors are rotated every 3 years right so every 3 years a new pastor comes the living pastor tells the coming pastor watch out for this woman she is your consult so one day this woman is also our partner so i was praying for her and an angel of the lord appeared before me and said she is not ready to meet the lord god she is not even ready to enter heaven however in the natural this woman always boasts to herself and to everyone she meets that she is always ready if the lord comes right now i will immediately lift up my wings and go to heaven she always says that with great faith positive confession but the lord says she is not ready she is not ready even to enter into heaven if she dies today she will be in the outermost part of the darkest place in heaven not ready you do not know your spiritual condition you do not know but what are you running after bread and butter nothing wrong running after bread and butter because we need to eat to live nothing wrong but look at what the lord jesus told the people who followed him why are you following me is it because of the loaves and the fishes that you ate and not for the word that i'm preaching so what are we after pastor pray for this pastor pray for that you know those that kind of an attitude is kindergarten christianity kindergarten christianity if all your life you keep on going up to 
your pastor and ask them to pray for your headache, stomachache, hand ache, leg toe ache. Please don't laugh. This is not laughing matter. This is what we all do. Then it shows the level of your spirituality. If after hearing an entire message about what is going to happen, the destiny of the UK, and you still come up and ask them to pray for your headache or your children, it tells me that all during that meeting, you never heard anything. You know, if this nation sinks, you will also sink. Did you, have you ever realized that? When Israel went into captivity, 70 years captivity, righteous Daniel was in captivity. Haggai, the prophet, was in captivity. Zechariah, the prophet, was in captivity. Ezekiel, the prophet, was in captivity. They were all in captivity. The book of Ezekiel was written in captivity in Babylon. The book of Haggai was written in captivity. Book of Zechariah was written in captivity. Book of Daniel was written in captivity. All took place in captivity. The righteous also goes into captivity. So if this nation sinks, you all will sink. That is why the scriptures admonish the Christians, pray for those who are in authority. Pray for the kings. Pray for those who are in authority. So that you can live well. Whether the nation is blessed or not, doesn't matter. For you to live peacefully, for you to live well, pray for the king. King in the olden days, today is prime minister, president, and for all those in authority, the police, the, the army, everybody, your parliamentarians, pray for those in authority. Pray that they will make the right decisions and not pass a wrong law. You know, yesterday, the Lord gave us a word about <coughs> looking after children. Right? Do you remember that? The prophecy? Just a week ago, while I was checking my emails this morning, I found that a mail that a pastor from London had sent me that England is going to pass a law that from next year, now listen carefully, from 2020, the education ministry in UK passed a law that every four-year-olds will be taught how to masturbate. I was shocked to the core of my bone when I saw that. I read, I reread, and I read that several times. Did my ear, is my eye seeing right? There's a pastor from London who sent me that message. And he's organizing my meeting in London day after tomorrow. Four year old. I cannot imagine. You know, I have four nephews and two nieces. I saw them all growing up before my eyes. 
and my first nephew and my third nephew literally grew up in our house and I brought them up in my own hands like a father will bring up his own children. I saw them growing up, I played with them, I taught them how to play football, I taught them how to dribble, I taught them how to kick. Oh, we, we are British influence, you know. Ah. And two of my nephews, the first and the third, they are serving the Lord. They are in, in full-time ministry. One is with, with me and another is with another ministry. I cannot imagine them going to school and the teachers are teaching them how to masturbate. This is going to happen in England. So if you have wrong parliamentarians, they will pass a bill to authorize this education. What will you do? I shudder in fear when I read that, you know. Even now, as I'm narrating to you, I shudder in fear within the core of my spirit I cannot imagine, I don't want to send my children to UK. I will tell all, anyone I know, I'll tell them, don't send your children to the UK. If you get a chance, come to India. Migrate there. It's safe, or Sri Lanka. Good thing you're homeschooling your son. That is our safety now. So what is our safety? Which school are you going to send? So what will happen to all the children? Christian children. What will happen to them? And in Sweden, they have passed a law from next year, every kindergarten going children will be microchip in their hands. It's a law now. They'll be microchip. Of course, they have good... Uh, technological reason for that so that the parents can keep a tap on where the kids are so that nobody they are not lost they are not kidnapped good reasoning right on the national looks like a good reasoning okay you don't need to call and ask where are you kid no you can just tap on your app and know exactly where your son or your daughter is if they are if the school bus is Bring coming late, you will know exactly where the school bus is. You can track them. You know, after the worship, when Sister Heidi came and sat beside me, she had an iPad with her, and there was many bars running up and down. And looking, being in a media, I knew what that app was. It was a sound mixer. So I asked her, how, how do you uh, push the scalar up and down and control the sound system. Oh, she said, you know, there's a equipment there and through Wi-Fi, they talk with one another. So she controls from here, she controls there. She doesn't even need to be here. She can be anywhere as long as we have good old anointed Wi-Fi. <laughs> have you imagined what our lives will be without Wi-Fi? Anywhere you go, the first thing, what's the first question you ask? Password. You don't even ask, what time is breakfast? You don't ask that. 
even I do that. What's the password? We all ask that question. So that's how it has now become. It's mandatory in Sweden. So what will happen to the rest of Europe then? This thing will spread around. And in the United States, they have passed a similar law where every kindergarten children are taught the gay lifestyle. They are taught to cross-dress. Today you come, okay, let's say a boy. Today you come dressed as a boy. Tomorrow you come dressed as a girl. They are teaching these two little kids. And you know what's the rationale? How do you know that you are really a boy? How do you know? What if tomorrow suddenly you decide that you're not a boy, you're a girl? So today we are teaching you the options. L, G, B, T, Q, R, Z, T, U, V, Z. They keep on adding the words, letters, you know. At first it was just L, G. Then they added, keep on adding and now soon they will come to Z. These little kids, I saw that, I saw a documentary. How the parents, even parents are doing that. A mother in Sweden, she purposely cross-dresses her son and tells her son, you are not who you really are. This is the mother, you know, not a school. A mother telling her little five-year-old son, you are not who you really are. So you need to discover. So she plates his hair and she makes him wear a skirt, wear a dress and she tells him just explore, explore. Then another day she has a new dress, half male dress, half female dress. You know what is worse than all this? The Methodist Church in the United States has embraced that. So they have a cross-dressing pastor. Cross-dressing pastor who cross-dresses, stands in the pulpit, holds the Bible in his hands and preaches that God is love. Filth. Filth. It's filth. It's abomination. Abomination. That's how we have become today. This is the state of spirituality today. Since we are on this point, let me show, share with you what the Lord showed me about the UK. When our dear sister was singing about a song about enthroning the Lord Jesus, crown him with many crowns, I began to meditate on that word, crown him with many crowns, and I began to worship. And the next moment I saw my soul standing before the heavenly realm. And on the throne, I saw a lamb. <coughs> And then as I took a step closer, I saw now a lion. And I also saw a lamb and I saw a lion at the same time. And the Lord spoke to me about something about 
our ministry and about my personal life, what I should do next. And then he showed me the United Kingdom. He said, look at this nation. So it's like from heaven I looked down, saw the map of the United Kingdom and right at where the navel of the belly is, he said, look there. And I saw, he said, I see filth in this nation. Filth. There's much filth in this nation. Abomination. It's like the womb. The womb of this nation is filled with filth and abomination. So if this filth and abomination, what will be given birth to that womb? Filth and abomination. It was after, so look at all the filth and the abomination that's taking place in the UK today. The Church of England has passed a law that they will accept gay pastors. They will accept gay pastors, they will ordain gay pastors, and gay pastors, lesbian pastors, can be a parish by car in the Church of England. You know, such a thing happened in the Church of England's annual convocation about 15 years ago. That was when they first met to debate this. And all the churches, all the Church of England, the Anglican churches in Africa and the Anglican churches in Asia protested against that. They said, if the Church of England passed this law, we will pull out of the Anglican diocese. So the bishop at that time, the Archbishop of Canterbury, pulled back and did not touch on the topic. Now, this was 15 years ago. Today, they have passed it. Because now the climate is ripe. The climate is ripe for everybody to accept. Over the last few years, the media has already prepared everybody's minds. Everybody's minds. Even cartoon is no more innocent. You know, I grew up watching Tom and Jerry. The poor cat is always the born loser. Right? How many of you remember Tom and Jerry? Or Papoy the Sailor Man? Yes. Now, tell me, what happened to those good old cartoons? Look at the cartoons today. Raping, violence, killing, drug and now gay lifestyle the new movie that disney produced called frozen is gay themed and that's directed at children many of the movies that disney now produce are gay themed and now they're preparing the next generation be gay in your mind be gay See, it's been stuffed into our mind now. It's okay, it's okay for a gay lifestyle. 
two years ago, when I upgraded the software update in my iPhone, I was shocked to discover the emojis, they were gay emojis. First, of course, initially it begins right, father, mother, son, daughter. Then father, mother, son, father, mother, daughter. Then the next one is man, man, then woman, woman, and then man, man, son, woman, woman, son. And then man, man, daughter, woman, woman, daughter, and then man, man, son, daughter. I was shocked when I saw that. This is in your iPhone. So, what, what's happening? This is now become part of our life. That's how the media is telling us today. And a greater shocker was six months ago, the supposedly righteous Prime Minister of Israel, Netanyahu, became pro-gay. And just before the major election in the month of September, he appointed a openly confessed gay minister into his cabinet. You know, all the years I was supporting Netanyahu. In all our conferences, we prayed so much for ben Benjamin Netanyahu. And now he came up with this statement. It's okay. We should be a society of inclusive. We don't exclude anybody. Everybody be inclusive. What's happening? A few months ago, I was in Zambia for a prophetic conference. And then I, I came to the capital, Lusaka, to meet with the intercessors, the chief intercessors of the nation. They wanted to hear what God was speaking for Zambia. So I met with them. And one of the intercessor in the team is the chief secretary for the cabinet of the president of Zambia. The president of Zambia is a Christian man. So this chief secretary is a very, very godly intercessor. So when he was, uh, he came to the airport to send me off. And while we were talking, we got into the gay subject. So I asked him, how is the situation in Zambia? He said, Zambia is anti-gay. Anti-gay. And they have, their president has taken a tough stand Zambia's doors are closed to gays. We will never accept that. Then he told me, he made a shocker statement to me. I asked him, you know, but many nations of the world, they are all becoming very gay. I mean, they are open towards gay. And he came closer to me. He said, let me tell you something in confidence. He said, UN has deputed a high-ranking officer to go around the whole world and pressure governments to pass same-sex marriage bill. Why? Why must UN appoint a high-ranking officer to do that? If you, if you look at the larger picture, the gay people is a very small minority. 
right very small minority and why give so great importance to that very small minority if not for something spiritually sinister that is taking place you know in malachi chapter 4 verse 5 and 6 it says in the last days god will send elijah am i right yeah. now listen everybody if god is going to send elijah the reverse is also true the devil will send jezebel <coughs> and the devil will send ashtaroth two will combine together you have two witnesses moses and elijah now you need the counter two witnesses ashtaroth and jezebel and do you know what they stand for gay lifestyle during jezebel's reign as the queen you can read about this in my book elijah is coming the lord revealed to me that she, she hired jezebel hired 850 false prophets to serve her they were all under her payroll and they had temples set up temples for baal and temples for ashtaroth all over israel and those false prophets are all gays and they also had temple prostitutes and these gays they had sexual relationship with one another and the male sperm is a very important sacrificial ingredient to all these false gods they offer them the seed is offered as a sacrifice so you have gays you have lesbians rising up they take their seed and they offer it to these demons why it is so important i don't know but this is proven if you if you study any book on witchcraft it tells you i once made a research and that's where i found it the male sperm and the female ovules very important ingredient for witchcraft practices when they offer a child sacrifice when they offer an uh, human sacrifice they also offer this as a sacrifice because in an infant sacrifice there is life there is also life in the male sperm and there is life in the female ovule there's life so that life is offered as a sacrifice to these demons so that's why there is a rising up of the lgbt community all over the world the world is been prepared to confront the last days elijah company that's going to rise up see god is raising up a prophetic remnant who would be filled with the spirit and power of elijah and the world is going to confront so how can you be any lesser spiritually if your enemy is much more greater than you how are you content how are you going to contend with your enemy if all your life you are spiritually weak if you are not growing up spiritually 
if all your life you're going to ask other people to pray for you, then how are you going to grow up? How are you going to stand and fight? In the year 2014, the Lord called me to fast and pray in Israel for seven days. And during those fasts, one day I had a visitation from the spirit of Elijah. And the first sentence he spoke to me was this. This last generation should not make the mistake that I made. I was shocked, you know, because we all have a great role model, Elijah. Right? If I ask you who is your biblical hero, everybody will name two person. Who are they? Moses. Moses. Everybody will name these two person. Moses and Elijah. Even I will name that. So we all have a superhero idealistic view of Moses and Elijah. To us, they are untouchables. Not in the evil sense, no? They are greater than Marvel heroes. They are the real Avengers, you know. Am I right? Have you think of everything about it? They are the real Avengers. Anyway, so when I have such a greatly exalted opinion and view of Elijah, and here he tells me, the last day's generation must not make the mistake like I made. I was shocked. I looked at him and said, Father, what do you mean? You made a mistake. He said, I ran away from Jezebel. That was my mistake. God sent me to finish her and I left the job uncompleted. Incomplete. He ran all the way. Have you ever thought, why did he stop at the gate of Jezreel? He should have gone right in and slaughtered her and the 400 false prophets were hiding in her palace. See, when there were already, there were totally 850 false prophets. 450 prophets of Baal and 400 false prophets. So Elijah told Ahab, gather all of them on Mount Carmel. But on Mount Carmel, only 450 of the prophets of Baal came. The 400 false prophets did not come. They were there in the palace with Jezebel. So after killing the 450, he ran with the strength of the Holy Spirit he, all the way into the palace and killed the rest of them. For some strange reason, he just stopped at the gate and waited. That was his mistake. And then came Ahab, and he drove past him, went into the palace, narrated to his darling all that Elijah did. She was furious. You know what she did? As soon as she heard what Ahab told her, she went into the temple of Baal. She has a temple inside her palace. And she performed a ceremony offering sacrifices to Ashtaroth and Baal, and kill a sacrifice, give blood and swear on the blood and fire that she will kill Elijah. And then she wrote a letter and sent to him. 
when Elijah read the letter, the spirit that she had already offered the sacrifice, that evil anointing came upon him and bounded him with fear and intimidation. What she could not physically do, Elijah wanted to do. He wanted to die, right? It was her magic portion that made him pray the prayer, Lord, take me home. Let me die. Let me die. Let me die. How could a man who so powerfully said, Do you know who I am? I stand in the presence of the Lord. For a man who said like that very boldly, now he's like a small little kitten meowing before God. Let me die. Let me die. Let me die. What made him do that? The spirit of Jezebel that bounded him. Intimidation. Fear. Threatening. And that is how the spirit works even today. And that is why there is a sudden rise of the gay community all over the world. So you should not sit down and let this take place. Rather, the Elijahs in England must arise. You must arise and put up a fight. Where Elijah failed, you must not fail. The last days, Elijah company should not fail. You should take the baton from him and run the next lap and finish the work that he left unfinished. That is the reason why God is sending back, sending him back to go back and finish your work. So, God showed great filth in this nation. And then I understood this morning a portion of the vision that I saw yesterday, last night about the UK. I hope you remember when I was praying, I saw prophecies of scrolls and mantles and weapons lying under the ground, right? Do you remember that? Okay. This morning, I further understood, the interpretation came to me, why they are lying under the ground. Of course, it also means they were buried there. But why buried there? Why are they there? And this morning the Lord showed me they are there because they are unclaimed. 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 Which means those mantles, those scrolls, those batons, those weapons belong to others. For example, let's say, for example, John Wesley, Smith Wigglesworth, Charles Wesley, Rhys Howers, even Roberts, all these wonderful men of God who, ro who ro rose up in England, they died. Now those mantles are buried there, besides new, unclaimed, unclaimed, waiting to be ducked up. So why is the remnant sleeping? Yeah. You who claim to be the remnant. Yeah. So why are you sleeping? 
Why are you not doing anything about it? So you come to meetings like this, you go to meetings where other prophetic ministers come, you hear a wonderful word, you feel goosebumps all over you. Is that the end? And then you, you go out with goosebumps and mosquito bites and then you do nothing about it until the next meeting. This must change. Amen. It must change today. Today it must change. Today you are going to kneel down and you are going to duck up those mantles. You are going to duck up those scrolls. You are going to duck up those weapons. And you should not leave this place without them. This should be your cry. Don't let this year pass by without you claiming your heritage. You have a heritage. You know, Britain leaving the UK, EU is what looks in the natural. But this is the plan of God. The United Kingdom has been bounded like a mummy. You know some mummy? The Egyptian mummy, not mummy mummy, you know. Egyptian mummy. I speak to you now what my spiritual eyes are seeing in the spirit. All this while, during your relationship with the United European Union, the Great Britain has been mummified and put in a coffin. You have a destiny. God is not over with the United Kingdom. You have a destiny to fulfill in these last days. This is what the Lord showed me on the first morning that I was here in Sheffield. He said, there is a destiny. And the Lord also told me, it is written in the scriptures concerning the United Kingdom about your destiny. It's written here. You know, I had a great transformation come over me personally when the Lord showed me that he said, do you know your call is written in the scriptures? I was shocked. And the Lord pointed to me a scripture. He said, why, why, I, why, why do you think I, gave, I, I made you call your television network Angel TV? And he pointed to me that scripture. He said, because of this. This is your destiny. Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to 11. This is your destiny. The three angels that fly in the heavens announcing the last day's gospel of the kingdom. This is, this, it is for this purpose you were born. The moment the Lord made me realize that, my whole perspective changed. Totally changed. No more from the earth view, but from the heavenly view. In the same manner, the future, especially the last day's destiny of the United Kingdom is written in the scriptures. So because of that, 
you have an important role to play in the last days. That is why the devil wants to kill you. The devil wants to kill you by corrupting you. Let me give you a very good biblical example for that. The evil king Barak wanted to destroy Israel. So he went and hired Belayam to curse Israel. You all know the story? Alright. So, Belayam couldn't curse. But he was greedy for money. Greedy. So he came up with a clever plan. Okay, he told the king, alright, you cannot destroy Israel, I cannot curse Israel. However, let us make God destroy his own people. That was their clever plan. So how to do that? Intermingle. Righteous and unrighteous. Let's intermingle them. Bring all your beautiful daughters, your most beautiful sons, and let them entice the daughters of Israel, the sons of Israel. Entice them. Make them sleep with your sons and your daughters. Corrupt them morally. And when they are morally corrupted, God himself will destroy the immoral nation. Clever plan. Did it work? It worked. It worked. Because of that evil act, God had to punish Israel. So that's happening. That's what's happening to the UK now. That is why they can even come up with plans to teach four-year-olds how to masturbate. Who will ever think like that? You know, you will never find a Hindu nation or a Muslim nation doing such things. I, I, I can't even imagine that, you know. It really pains my mind to even think to repeat those sentences again and again. It pains me very much. Who, what evil must have got into that education secretary to come up with such a plan? I was meaning to get it printed out and show you that article, but I couldn't get it done this morning. Maybe I'll get it done. I'll, I'll send you that article. You know, okay. So please pray much for the United Kingdom. Pray much for the Queen. Pray much for your Prime Minister. So in conclusion, what should you do? Please turn with me. So 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 and let's look at verse 2 and 3. The scriptures tells us here, Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. Oh, before we go to that, uh, I forgot one very important point. Okay, let's, let's look at that. So, it does not appear what we shall be, but what we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him 
purifies himself even as he is pure so the call of god for us is purify yourselves purify yourselves for you to claim that you are waiting for the coming of the lord you are waiting for that catching up purify your souls teach your children how to live a life of purity it's the parents responsibility not the church sunday school's responsibility it's the parents responsibility you should train your children in the way they sh- they should go not expect the church to do that you know many churches today don't teach children how to fast they don't teach them how to pray they don't do all that 7 years ago or 5 years ago an angel of the lord appeared to me and said prepare the young children for their destiny for their time has come to fulfill their last day's destiny so organize a fa- day of fasting and prayer for the children we have once a month all our partners we gather to fast and pray from 10 in the morning right up to 3 or 4 in the afternoon so you know whenever mothers come to the meetings they don't come alone they bring all their children along so we about a thousand people gather at our meetings and at least there would be about 300 to 400 children so what do the children do run around everywhere they are not like this wonderful kids <laughs> you know i've never seen them moving out of their chairs they are like rooted and grounded like in faith and love all these three musketeers <laughs> and i do not know whether you notice they all they are seated in the same chair yesterday and today <laughs> so they are not like our wonderful kids here those kids they run all over the grounds all over the auditorium and they try to compete with the praying mothers and fathers so the angel told me god wants you to prepare them so i called my staff those who have a ministry for the children i said okay from the following month we'll have a separate fasting prayer for the children so i'll i'll book another auditorium and we'll have all the children gather there and we'll conduct the prayer meeting from 10 to 3 similar similarly to how we do for the adults and i told them they will all fast no food will be given to them so my staff protested said no it's not possible we should feed them they are children they will hunger they will cry i said whichever children cries bring them to me <laughs> i told them that bring them to me i will personally take care of those kids <laughs> of course not beating you know just make them sit on my lap just sing some lullabies to them and take away all their hunger so the following month but nevertheless you know sometimes staffs they have little faith they don't like to obey what the boss tells them so they prepared some food just in case and of course they didn't use the ministry's money they used their own money because they know they'll get a good thrashing if they had touched the ministry's money without my authorization so they brought they shed their own money they prepared food just in case plan b 
See, we are all very wise Christians. We always come up with plan B in case God lets you down. Am I right? We always do that, you know, plan B. So, we made the announcement and I released all the children. They went to the separate rooms from 10 in the morning right up to 3 in the afternoon. They were all there, they worshipped, they teaching and praying and everything. And when they, all, when they were all dismissed, I called my son and asked them, so out of the 300 kids, how many cried for food? She stared at me and she said, not a single one. Not a single one. Even the little ones as young as three years old. Not a single one cried for hunger or for food. And it's been five years now. I broke the niche. Even the parents, they saw with their eyes that these children can fast. They can do that. So we taught them. So it's your responsibility to teach your children how to fast, how to pray. When my nephews grew in my house, I taught them how to pray. I taught them how to read the Bible. I taught them how to worship the Lord. When they were barely one year old, I make them kneel down. Cruel uncle. I force my nephew to kneel down and pray with me for as long as I prayed. That ran into hours. So this poor little boy will, you know his legs will go down, <laughs> go down. And you know what the uncle did? Push him up again. Say, stand up. Come on, stand up and pray. And this poor boy, you know, he's, he was scared to even cry. His mother, that's all he does. Day by day, this was us everyday thing that I did with him. Today, he's a wonderful prophetic worshiper. See the training, the training and the seat that was sown into them. When my nephews were born and my nieces were born, I told all, I told my sisters and my brother, don't train them for the world. We must train them to serve God. That's how I keep on telling them, don't, let's not have worldly aspirations. Let's prepare them to serve the kingdom of God. And I, to, I tell all my nephews and it's the same thing. Study as much as you can, but remember, your destiny is serving the kingdom of God. That's your destiny. You can be a doctor, you can be an engineer, you can be a lawyer, you can be whatever profession you want to. At the end of the day, you must serve the king of kings. Use your talents to serve the Lord. That's what I tell them. You know, many doctors come to my meeting. I, I tell the doctors, as much you, as you have medical knowledge, you must also pray for the gifts of healings. Because medical science only this much. That it can only go to a certain level. Beyond that, only God can heal you. Right? You all know that too well. Only God can heal us, not medical science. Medical science treats a patient. Only God heals a patient. So all, I tell them all, I always say this in my meetings, you should have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
and a, a doctor who's filled with the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit can better treat his patient with medicine and with prayer. So purify your heart, purify your souls, purify all that is within you because you are coming before a holy God. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, and in, Exodus, in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 and 15, you have a similar incident there. Moses comes before the presence of God, bushfire. And he heard a voice saying, remove your shoes. You are standing on holy ground. And an angel of the Lord comes and stands before Joshua. And the angel says, remove your shoes. You are standing on holy ground. Now listen, people of God. If the presence of an angel can carry the glory and the holiness of God, how much more the Lord God himself? How much more you should come before the holy God with fear and trembling? In the East, it's customary tradition for them to remove their shoes when they enter into a church or temple. It's customary. It's tradition there. But in the West, they don't do that. I don't make this a practice, but sometimes when the awesome glory of God comes down in my meetings, I will clearly hear the, the Lord say, ask everybody to remove their shoes. And I have told them, everybody, remove your shoes. And they've done that. And it, was, it is always accompanied by an awesome glory of God that covers the entire crowd of people. So this I have seen, not only in India, but also in other Western parts of the world. I had a very, very painful experience last year in Tanzania. And we had a women's conference in one particular city. And on the last day, the Lord told me, ask everybody to remove their shoes. And when they come, and be, when you lay your hands on the woman, I will personally come and lay my hands on them. So I told all the 1,000 women who are gathered there, okay, this is what we are going to do tomorrow. Everybody to fast and pray. And please Remove all your shoes, keep them outside the auditorium as you enter into the main auditorium. So everybody agreed. And on the morning of the meeting, the organizing person, the organizer, and a senior pastor of the nation came to see me in my room. And the pastor said, you know, uh, it is not our custom tradition to remove shoes. And furthermore, the government is against all this. The government of Tanzania, they are very wary of prophets who come with such weird teachings. And the government spies are also in this meeting and they're watching all the prophets, even you are under their radar. So therefore, we don't want to antagonize the government. So therefore, I have already asked the people not to remove their shoes. He did all that without my permission. So I just listened to it and I looked at the organizer and the organizer said, yes, Father, what can we do? You know, the, because you know, the, 
one part of what he said was really true in the sense that the governments in Africa, various nations, are coming very hard on false prophets. Because these false prophets are really coming up with doctrines. Some false prophets are telling their congregation to eat live snakes. Yes, eat live snake and they make the snake bite them. Because the scripture says, you shall take up a poisonous snake and nothing will harm you. And one pastor who keep on doing that was eventually bitten by a cobra and he died. Right in the church service. He took a cobra and said, look at me, look at me. And he made the cobra bite him and he died. And the government stepped in and they closed the church. And then there is another prophet who goes around telling the church, all of you are the sheep of the Lord's pasture, therefore we should eat grass. Seriously, scouts honor. And you know, the pastor leads the whole congregation outside the church where the fields are. He said, come on everybody, go on your feet and eat the grass. The church believers literally obeyed what the pastor said. They eat the grass. The worst of all this, now even this can be excusable. The worst is the number one greatest false prophet in the whole of Africa. A man called Shepherd Bushri. You have a water, can I have a water bottle please? He has a bottle like this with a red liquid and the title is Blood of Jesus. He sells that in the church. The blood of Jesus. And he tells the congregation, this is the real blood of Jesus. So because of all this kind of weird stuffs, the governments are coming hard on the false prophets to safeguard innocent people. So, I told the pastor, you know, pastor, this is not Indian tradition or African tradition. This is Bible tradition. But the pastor keep on saying, no, no, brother, no, father, this, that, this, that. So anyway, he has already messed up. So when I entered into the auditorium, half the crowd of women had already removed all their shoes when they entered in. And he told them, everybody go back, put on your shoes and come back inside. So these women were confused because I told them, remove your shoes. And here comes this unauthorized man who supposedly one of the senior minister in the nation. So they were confused who to obey. <coughs> anyway, they obeyed him. So when I entered into the auditorium, I saw all this happening. So I, I preached my message. When I started to pray, the glory of God did not come down. It did not come down. And I lingered as much as I could to wait for the glory to come. It did not come. So I ended up laying my empty hands on all the women. And I knew it was, it's only half the anointing. 
because the purpose of the lord was he wanted to come and lay his hands i was i've never ever felt so grief in my heart like on that day and i personally made a vow at that time when i was laying my hands that in the future if any pastor ever said anything like that i'm going to keep give him a kick in the butt <laughs> i personally decided that you know why 1000 eagerly hungry women missed missed what god had ordained for them because of an disobedience i was so mad when i laid my hands on the last person you know i i even refused their offering i said i don't want offering from this church i don't want any offering from this conference and i left i returned back their offering i said i don't want any money for what you have done later on i found out it was a huge offering i said i'm not tempted by all that money is important for me i brought my a team of three women with me we our ministry paid for the airfare and then i ended up giving them offerings for them and the offering from the meeting is supposed to cover all those expenses now i return back everything so our ministry will have to pay it doesn't matter i don't want that cursed money so the following day before i left this senior pastor came with his wife to see me for blessings so the pastor and his wife i was already mad you know <laughs> but i tried to be very nice diplomat tried to be very nice as i age i notice that i'm mellowing so i tried to be very nice and uh, so i asked uh, okay the pastor came oh the meeting was so wonderful he was full of praises you know so i just listened quietly so i said okay pastor what do you want now he said please bless me and my wife we want a child we have a child and it's been 7 years and we want another child please pray a prayer blessing so i tried to be very obligatory so i said all right come on give me your hands i closed my eyes i started praying and i clearly heard the lord say because of what he did yesterday i am closing his womb and they will never have a child so when the lord has said that how can i pray lord bless the fruit of the womb i ended the prayer abruptly i said go womb close you know we should never ever treat god lightly and you don't touch the lord's anointing you don't touch that this is not indian tradition or what tradition that's what the pastor keep on telling me oh you are from india you bring your indian tradition 
it's okay for India. I said, no, this is Bible tradition. Bible tradition, right? It's Bible tradition. No, we don't follow whichever tradition. It's Bible tradition. Sometimes the Lord personally requires me to remove my shoes when I stand under a heavy anointing. But it's not for the congregation. It's just for me. And I do that. Then there are times when the Lord said, now nah, everybody to remove. It's not east or west. It's biblical. So purify your hearts. Purify your souls to prepare to meet the Lord your God. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 says, Without holiness, it is impossible to see God. And Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So no matter how much we cry or desire to see God, if you are lacking in purity, then how can you see? Your impurity will prevent you from seeing even if the Lord Jesus stands one inch away from you. You can't see because your impurity will cause your blindness. You know what you should honestly say to the Lord? Do it tonight when you go home. You kneel down tonight before you go to bed and you ask the Lord one question. Lord, how do you honestly see me? Ask him that. And he will show you what. If you ask him that, he will ask you another question. Do you really want to know? Because that's what he asked me one day. One day I just got down to praying. And I asked the Lord this question. How do you really see me, Lord? And that's when he asked me, do you really want to know? I say, yes, Lord. No matter what it is, I want to know. Then he showed me. One, two, three, four. He said, these are keeping you away from entering into the fullness. Get rid of this. So ask him tonight. No matter how far you are away from where we are today, <coughs> as soon as you get home, please don't hit the bed. Kneel down. And you ask the Lord, Lord, how do you see me? You tell him, Lord, no matter what it is, please show me my wicked heart. Please show me my wicked heart. Show me my wicked mind. And if you honestly pray, the Holy Spirit will show you. Either through visions or mental pictures or deep impressions been given to you what is the defilement inside you or the lack inside you then you humble yourselves don't ever say no lord such things don't exist in my life don't say like that just humble yourselves and say yes lord i have this wickedness inside me please and then ask the Holy Spirit to help get rid of that for you. Because the Holy Spirit is the sanctifier. 
the Holy Spirit is the purifier. He will purify for you. He will do that if you allow Him into the secrets of your heart. I once prayed for a pastor's wife. Young, young pastor's wife. Just newly married. And as I was praying, the Lord showed me her heart. He said, look at her heart. And you know how her heart looks like. Let's suppose the heart is of this shape, right? In this corner, I saw a fortress. So the Lord said, look at her heart. She has given me space here, but this fortress, she has put there a sign, no entry. Literally, there was a sign, no entry. Even God not allowed in that corner. So the Lord said, look at her heart. Because of this, she has not totally surrendered herself to me. And you know, because of that, she eventually fell into the sin of adultery. And she ended up leaving her husband and her kids. And then eventually get ditched by the boyfriend. She lost her husband, she lost her kids, and she even lost her boyfriend. And now she is in the ditch. Not going to heaven, not going to hell, suspended midway. And that was the final warning the Lord gave her before she divorced her husband. One last chance the Lord gave her, you know. She came to me for prayer. And the Lord told me, she said, tell her to come back to me and I will treat her as if she has not done anything. And I will clean her slate clean. Return, ask her to come back to me. I told this to the pastor's wife. After the prayer, she got up, she said, okay, goodbye. The following day, she left her husband. Only to be jilted by the boyfriend. The boyfriend swindled her of all her money, used her body, and then dumped her. Poor girl. Today she has nobody. Nobody to love her. Nobody to care for her. Her two children, she has occasional relationship with them, but they don't care about her either. Now she cries every day for her lost life, lost anointing. You could have been I up there. Of course, you know, the grace of God will embrace you back. You can still walk with God, but you miss that high call where you could have been here. Now you are just, just ordinary believer. Paul and Barnabas was the perfect will of God for them to be a team. And then there was a contention. They split it into company. Paul and Silas, Barnabas and Mark. Right? But for the rest of the book of Acts, you, you don't hear about Barnabas anymore. What happened to Barnabas? You don't hear about Barnabas at all. Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas. They too went on. Of course, 
even Paul and Silas was not God's best. God's best was Paul and Barnabas. That was the team, plan A. That was plan A. Plan B was also successful, but could have been better if plan A was there. Perfect will, perfect will. Always stay on the perfect will. Don't get into the permissive will. <coughs> you are on your own. If you get into the permissive will, please, you cannot afford to make a mistake. You are the last generation. You are the last. I'm sure you have seen a relay race. There are four persons who runs in a relay race. The first person can make a mistake because the second runner can catch up. The second runner can make a mistake because the third runner can catch up. The third runner can make a mistake because the fourth runner can catch up. But the fourth runner cannot make a mistake because there is no one to help him. No one to push him up or boost him up. No one. You are the last generation. You are the last runner. You cannot drop the baton down. You cannot. You must hold tight and contend for your calling. Contend. Contend for your faith. Contend for your destiny. Contend for your calling. And do not exchange it for any cause. You can lose everything else in this world except your calling. That's the only thing that will remain till the end. Earlier on, you all repeated after our pastors, Galatians 2.20. Let it be your goal for 2020. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. And I, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ Jesus lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. See, look at that. I live by the faith of the Son of God, not by my faith. You cannot live by your faith alone. You can only live by the faith of the Son of God. That is the faith you must contend for. That is what the scriptures means. Contend for your faith. That you don't lose the faith of the Lord Jesus put in you. Contend for it. Even if it means to lay down your life. Content. Content for it till the end. Now a word for bushfire ministries. Yesterday and today, Pastor Andy, the Lord showed me, he has chosen this place as a armory for the angels of God to be stationed, for the army of God from heaven to be stationed, and for them to store the heavenly weapons. This place, God has chosen this place as a training ground to train the last day's army of God to train the warriors of God, to train prophets, to train martyrs. This is a training ground. Amen. So, this morning, 
on the way while we were driving, I was pondering about this scripture, why the Lord chose bushfire ministries, particularly in this location where you are, to be an armory and a command center for the angels to be based. Then I realized it's because of all the witchcraft that's in this region. So this God has chosen you to be a pastor here. You're not only just a pastor, but a trainer, a trainer. So this is a training center and God will bring the remnant here. The remnant will be gathered here to be trained, to, to, to be trained as even as prophetic mouthpieces for God. And from here, after the training, they will go all over the four corners of the United Kingdom to blow the trumpet of God and to prepare the last day's army of God. And your son, Joshua, God has a call on your life. God wants you to do something big. Can you do? God wants you to do something. Can you do? He wants you to start a prayer meeting for children. Can you do? You don't need to do your best. Just say yes. And the Lord will help you. And Heidi, God wants you to establish this place as a place of worship. To establish a place of worship for the incense to rise up from here, especially to dedicate one day a week, Wednesday. It's a complete day to just praise and worship the Lord. For the angels that are stationed here, for you to do that, the Lord may guide you further to do more often, but initially is once a week on Wednesdays. Just purely no teaching, no nothing, just praise and worship the Lord. And the angels will join you and praise and worship God together. So eventually this will become like a 24-7 praise and worship center where praise the incense of worship is rising up from this place all the time. Amen. Now, in conclusion, no, please don't clap your hands. I'm not entertaining you. Only clowns entertain. Actors entertain. I'm not entertaining you. Let's stop this habit of clapping hands. That's the wrong thing to do. I'm not entertaining you. I'm giving her and this family and this ministry a word from the Lord. If you want to rejoice, you should put up your hands and praise God. That is the biblical thing to do, not clap hands. You clap hands for clowns who entertain and for monkeys who entertain. I hope I'm not that. Am I? Finally, the last day's army of God should arise. In Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 17, if you read there, 
when the lord jesus christ entered into jerusalem for the last time he had his disciples going bring a donkey and he sat on a donkey to fulfill a prophecy that zechariah spoke and now the prophetic picture here is as the lord jesus was about when he sat on the donkey there was a group before him and after him and the scripture says the man and the woman remove their clothes at least the outer garment of their clothes and they put down on the ground and they carried palm branches in their hands and they some stood on the right side and on the left side to wave the palm branches and to sing praises to god and as the lord was passing through and as he was passing through there were two companies of people one company went before the donkey one company went after and the company that went before most of them were women not only women but nursing mothers nursing mothers and women that went before now this is the word of the lord the last days company if you look at the picture those who went before the lord before and after they were nobodies nobodies no big name title reverence bishops right reverend left reverend center reverend no reverence do you fit the picture okay we all the same i don't have a title either do you no reverend right good there's only one reverence right only one person who is perfect for the title reverend all else i don't know where we got the title from never mind let them have it so nobodies and the nobodies is the company of joel 228 your sons and your daughters little kids and your youths and your old men and your old women old men old women are 50 and above so half of us qualify under that category am i right all those who are 50 and below or 49 and below please put up your hand 49 and below you are 49 and below put up your hand not one finger put up your hand see i was right 50% so we have 50 and 50 so 50% of us qualify under the old man old woman category and the other 50% belong to the other category so together we are all part of the last days army of god amen last days army the nobodies we are not after titles we are not after all these names we are only after preparing the way of the lord are you with me yes that is our heart's desire so that's the company the company of the nobodies number 2 they put their garments on the ground what does that mean honoring the king if you read second kings chapter 9 verse 13 when jehu became the king of israel all the people removed their outer garment 
and they put on the ground, it is an Eastern Israeli custom of honoring someone as a king. That's how they do. So when the people did that for the Lord Jesus, they were recognizing him as the coming promised Messiah who will reign over them and rule over them. That is why they signified by putting their garments down. Now what does that speak for us? You surrender all. You surrender all. You have no covering. Only the Lord Jesus is your covering. He is your covering. So when he becomes your covering, he himself leads you and goes before you. He himself. Sometimes when a great general in the body of Christ dies, we all are broken. And we all ask the question, now who will lead us? And do you know why sometimes the Lord allows this to take place so that we will learn to take our eyes off from a man and look up to the Lord God. And this is especially true for these last days. Because for the last days army, Joel chapter 2 verse 11 says, the Lord himself will go before his people. The Lord himself will go. Which means there's no general. There's no general. Even the general is an ordinary soldier. There's only one general. The Lord God. The commander in chief. He alone will lead the last day's army. So, when we wrongly put our eyes on someone and then we put all our hope on that someone, the Lord had to remove them away because he says, I am your leader. So the Lord is our commander in chief. So when you surrender, take your garments and you put down, you are saying, Lord, I am no longer mine, I am yours. Surrender. Total surrender, total consecration, total dedication. Which means you are no longer yours. So you have no any rights anymore. So don't ever talk about your rights anymore. Amen? No more. You have surrendered your rights. Which also means you also surrender the right to defend yourself. You don't defend your reputation anymore. You surrender everything. That is the ultimate of Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I that lives. I don't live anymore. The I identity ceases to exist. I'm sure you have been to funerals. Have you? Okay. Have you been near to the coffin to see a dead person there? You have. Has, has, has there ever been an incident where the dead person got up and said, and asked you, how are you? <laughs> has there ever been an incident? I'm sure no. And neither will the dead person ever get upset if you don't show up. Right? 
because the date knows nothing. That's how we must become. Date, date. The date knows nothing. All this does not matter anymore. You are dead. You are dead to your reputation, you are dead to your name, you are dead to fame, you are dead to everything. This is hard. I must tell you truthfully, right? It's hard, but we must practice that. We must practice and we must come to the fullness of it. Dying, dying, dying. Is it possible? Yes. yes, it's possible. It takes time. It takes time. Because we are very stubborn, you know. Right? We are stubborn. We are very hardcore people. But it is possible to keep you bending, bending, bending and bending. And eventually, you cease to exist. Then, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Only then, that will become real in your life. Christ in you, the hope of glory. People will see the glory, not only see the glory, you will walk in the glory. You will manifest the glory. You will release the glory. This is the life the Lord Jesus Christ walked in. It is possible, absolutely possible. And the key is dying to self. That is the key. You die to self. Finally, the next thing we read about the companies, they were all singing songs. Now, if you look at the scriptures very carefully, Matthew chapter 21 verse 9, Mark chapter 11 verse 9 to 10, Luke chapter 19 verses 37 to 38, and John chapter 12 verse 13. All these four scriptures, they tell us the particular kind of songs they sang. Not just simply any song. They specifically sang. This was what I was very surprised that Hedy did today. Unknowingly, you had done, led by the Spirit, what the Lord had told me we should be doing. Praising Magnifying the king. That's why you kept on singing, crown him with many crowns, glorify him. We had a foretaste today in the worship, what we should be doing from now onwards. You, you study the scriptures that I just gave you. Let me repeat one more time. Matthew 21 verse 9, Mark chapter 11 verses 9 to 10, Luke chapter 19 Verses 37 and 38, and John chapter 12, verse 13. All these four scriptures, they tell us the mothers and even the little children, even the nursing babies, they were all singing, Hosanna! Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what they were all praising God. They were all singing songs, that extolled the king, the coming king. That's what they did. This is what we should sing in these last days. 
our worship services should extol the king the soon coming king extol him praise him ascribe him glory ascribe him blessings that is the heavenly pattern if you read revelation chapter 5 verse 12 and verse 13 and chapter 7 verse 12 there were the two incidences mentioned in heaven all the angels all the 24 elders they were extolling blessings and glory honor and power be unto him Amen. we sing the song do you know that chorus yeah. blessings and glory honor this is what they sing in heaven and this is what we should sing on the earth ascribing glory to god let's stop singing all the nonsense songs that are popularly sung today they are just rubbish rubbish absolutely right rubbish that pacifies the flesh that's what it does pacifies the flesh i sing to you you sing to me sorry that's what it is right i sing to you you sing to me i make you feel good you make me feel good what glory is that to the king of glory nothing that is why most churches are just stinking grounds stinking ground we have all this hip and hop dancing up and down jumping like kangaroos that's all most congregations do one great aerobic exercise and they lose a few pounds or oh, this is Br- british right grams your pounds how come your pounds you're supposed to be kilogram right huh? stone oh huh? stone okay you want stone fine you you can be stone you can be a rock whatever you know with all this glamour that you see today in the hyper grace churches they have lights smoke like a discotheque do you think the god of glory will come there never the only so called shekinah glory is the smoke that comes from the smoke machine that's all let's not go into the way of the filth let's come back you fall on your face you kneel down you bow down you lift up holy hands and you worship the king of glory amen did you experience a different atmosphere to tonight than yesterday night see the difference is we were worshiping the king of glory that's the difference and you continue doing this every week and the glory will increase and increase and increase and then this whole building will be saturated with the glory Amen. and as soon as anyone steps in they will fall down on their face and they'll get safe and they'll get healed they'll experience all kind of glory and you don't even need to pray to see the glory you will see the glory and you will see the angels of god you will see the king of glory walk in your midst because this place would have been sanctified and everyone who walks in 
will already be sanctified. This is the will of God. Are you willing? Let's all stand up for a word of prayer. So the woman company is going to rise up and the children company are going to rise up. That will fulfill Psalm 68:11, the last day's destiny for women. And then children, Psalms 8:2. So we should prepare the children, prepare the women, prepare the youths for the last day's army of God. Amen. Let's bow ahead for a word of prayer. Glory, glory, glory to the Lamb, and we sing glory, glory, glory to the Lamb. Lord Jesus asked a question now. As the donkey carried me, how many of you are willing to bear me on your shoulder? How many of you are willing to be as submissive, as surrendered? as the donkey was because when it was let to come it did not resist it followed like a lamb that follows the shepherd how many of you are willing to be led like that without resistance willing to surrender, willing to let go, that I may reign on you and in you. If you are willing, gently kneel down wherever you are. And you open your heart and you talk to the Lord Jesus Christ right now. If you are willing, you tell him, here I am, Lord. Here I am. I was as obstinate as a donkey can be. I was as stubborn as a donkey can be. But today, I want to be like that donkey that submitted to you 
that willingly receive you that willingly allowed you to sit on her that willingly was let without resistance i am no more going to fight for my rights i am no more going to insist on my own ways i totally surrender lord can you say that you open your heart and you talk to the lord jesus christ right now thank you wonderful lord jesus thank you wonderful lord jesus make a total surrender of yourselves total surrender don't hold back don't hold back i see the lord jesus christ standing before you and he is moving on your heart and you can feel that he is moving on your heart and asking you totally surrender your heart totally empty your heart don't hold anything back can you do that you open your heart you make a total surrender total emptying my dear daughter Sharon Anandi I see the Lord Jesus standing before you and he's reaching out his hand to touch your heart and he's saying to you give me your heart give me your heart empty it give it to me let me change your life let me change your heart and make it better for you you tried you struggled but you could not change but let me change for you he sees all the struggles you have gone through my dear daughter all the difficulties that you have gone through all the heartbreaks that you have gone through standing there before the lord he's seeing your whole life especially from the time that you came to this nation from that day till today all the disappointments all the heartbreaks and he's saying to you give it to me give your heart to me and i will make all things new in your life Thank you wonderful Lord Jesus. Open your heart my dearly beloved brothers and sisters and my sons and daughters and make a total surrender. Total surrender. many of you are feeling the brooding of the holy spirit upon your hearts don't resist it 
don't resist the holy spirit is brooding on your hearts moving on your hearts whatever comes to your memory surrender make a full surrender right now you don't even wait need to wait to go home to do it thank you wonderful lord jesus i see sorts been given to some people now again and again i'm hearing the spirit of christ speaking within me saying ask them to surrender completely surrender totally without reservation surrender totally make a full surrender when the people took their outer rope and laid it on the floor they had no covering for the cold they left away something of them in the same manner totally surrender make that full surrender it's no longer you will live anymore but christ jesus will live in you for christ in jesus to live in you your heart must must be emptied all the clutters in your heart must be removed all the clutters all the unwanted things unchrist like nature mostly the cares of this world the pleasures of this world the lusts of the eyes the lusts of the flesh and the pride of life empty them empty them remove them all one by one from your heart that christ may live in you the holy spirit is bringing all these things to your mind now you name them one by one and get rid of them from your heart when you get up from your knees you must get up as a new person sanctify them lord sanctify them lord sanctify them lord as much as they are letting go i pray you will sanctify them right now let them even feel the coals of your fire sanctify their lips sanctify their mouth sanctify their eyes sanctify their ears sanctify their smell 
sanctify the work of their hands sanctify the work of their feet sanctify their feelings sanctify their souls sanctify their spirits right now i pray let your hand bring forth the coal of fire from heaven as the seraphim sanctified the prophet isaiah i now pray lord that the holy spirit will sanctify your dear children right now in the name of the lord jesus i pray let them physically feel your sanctifying power let your fire come upon them right now to sanctify them let them feel your fire lord in their physical bodies let them feel your sanctifying power flowing all over them to sanctify them to purify them to cleanse them right now right now let it flow holy spirit let your cleansing waters come all over them right now let them physically feel a washing coming all over them right now in the name of the lord jesus i command their wicked stony hearts to be broken to pieces in the name of the lord jesus i command now let the filth of the flesh come out of their bodies in the name of the lord jesus i command that putrefying mass of sickness and decaying diseases come out of their bodies right now thank you lord jesus come out i command them to come out right now i command these tormenting spirits that has plagued them with spirits of infirmities come out in the name of the lord jesus and i command these people to be set free in the name of the lord jesus right now right now in the name of jesus i command them to be set free from tormenting headaches and migraines i command the power of this infirmity spirits to be broken over their lives right now right now thank you lord jesus in the name of the lord jesus i command barrenness the curse of barrenness 
to be broken over their lives right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I command this curse of hereditary barrenness to be broken over their entire lineage right now. Not only barrenness upon the woman, but even barrenness among the men. I command it to be broken right now. Thank you, wonderful Lord Jesus. And I pray, let your sanctifying spirit flow. Let it flow all over them right now. From the crown of their head to the sole of their feet, let the spirit of God flow. Flow. Let a peace be an all understanding. Fill their hearts and their minds right now. Right now. Thank you, wonderful Lord Jesus. Come, Spirit of God. Blow upon them. Blow upon them. Blow upon them. Let the wind of the Holy Spirit blow all over them right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I command, let their physical bodies feel the brushing of the wings going past by them now. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, wonderful God. Thank you, God. Glorious Jesus. Wonderful Father. Come on, everybody, lift up your holy hands and bless the name of the living God. He lives forever and ever. His glory is forever and ever. Come on, open your mouth. Give thanks to God. Glorify the name of the living God. Come on, don't keep quiet. Open your mouth. And give thanks. Give glory. Give thanks to God for the wonderful things He has done for you. Give thanks. Give thanks. Glorify the name of the living God. Amen. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, everybody, lift up your holy hands. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship him.